Welcome to Healthy Chats. I am Amy Braun, CEO of HealthCorp. A couple of times each month, we'll be bringing you conversations with innovators, leaders, and implementers in health and wellness. HealthCorp is a national not-for-profit, and since 2003, we have worked in high-needs schools with a focus on ending health inequity by providing health and wellness resources to students, faculty, and families. Today, I'm especially pleased to welcome Pam Kahaley as a guest on Healthy Chats. Pam is a member of the HealthCorp Board of Directors. Since 2017, she has served as president and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona. With her leadership, the, 20, the 2,500 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona employees work to inspire health across Arizona by providing support and resources to help residents across the state achieve optimal health. As part of that commitment, Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona is a supporter of Health Corps programs in Arizona. Over the past two years, Health Corps has deployed two program coordinators to deliver health and wellness programming in two schools in the Phoenix Elementary District. This year, our program coordinators are working hard to reach even more students across the Phoenix region and are now delivering programming at five schools in the region with plans to partner with additional schools in the coming months. The Health Corps programming includes teaching wellness-focused lessons in the classroom, hosting after-school clubs, promoting health and wellness through communication campaigns, and organizing school-wide events such as workshops, teacher appreciation drives, and wellness channels. All of our programming has been modified for use in virtual classrooms, and we have already found great success in bringing wellness programs to our students, learning both in classrooms and at home. We're so appreciative and proud of this partnership with Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona. And with that, I'm very excited to introduce Pam Kahaley and welcome her to the show. So Pam, in 2019, you stated you wanted to make Arizona the healthiest state in the nation. How has that goal changed in the wake of COVID-19? So first of all, Amy, thank you so much for that nice introduction. And um, I'm really looking forward to having a, a chat with you today. I, um, before I answer your, your great question, I do want to just acknowledge the work that Health Corps has done here in Arizona, um, particularly during this COVID time. You guys have flexed and have been really nimble in responding to the evolving needs that uh, COVID has created. And it's been great being a partner with you. So, so you're right. In 2019, I, I said, we're going to make Arizona the healthiest state in the nation, um, no matter what. And um, that goal, even despite COVID-19, has not changed. I would say that COVID-19 has probably strengthened my resolve to, to make that goal actually happen. You know, as, and I think, I think you know this, Amy, people with compromised um, health conditions like, um, like diabetes or um, heart disease, they have higher COVID mortality rates. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really, they have higher COVID mortality rates than people that are, um, that have no conditions that are healthy. And so, um, COVID is just highlighted for me the need to really elevate the health profile here in Arizona. So the, the pandemic has just um, it, it kind of increased my resolve, but it's also created maybe perhaps a different path to get there. So we um, at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona, we, we have a common purpose. Our, 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 the reason we exist as an organization is to inspire health and um, help Arizonans in their healthcare journey. And um, our focus is giving people of our state um, resources and tools to take care of not only themselves, but, but their family. So, um, so we're still focused on that goal, despite the adversity and challenges that COVID, COVID brought. Um, what, what has been really 
um, enlightening and uplifting is the, the way that our community and the organizations here in Arizona have, um, have come together in, in times of this crisis. And everybody has done more. Um, everybody has really um, lifted their game to, to do more in this really difficult time, even like, like Health Corps, like you guys have done more uh, during COVID to help, help the people in the state. So I think um, the goal still is the same. Um, we're more committed. Um, we've learned a lot with COVID. Um, I think we're going to take a lot of those learnings and we're going to continue to pursue that goal. I, I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think we really have seen large groups of people, um, you know, rise up. And I know that my, our coordinators at Health Corps, um, when schools shut down, our biggest concern was food. I mean, there still is a huge food insecurity issue, but being that Health Corps is so committed to, you know, making sure that our children learn about different types of food and what food does to the body, making sure that some of our neediest students actually had access to healthy food that they depend on from the schools was such a big shift for us that we immediately needed to change. And, you know, in the spring, we served over 60,000 meals, many um, actually in the Phoenix area as well. Um, so it's definitely, I think you're right, just really, really shown a beautiful um, effort by people everywhere to, to rise up and help their communities. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen at Health Corps, and I'm interested to see how you guys at Blue Cross Blue Shield have been seeing it is, you know, we've really seen a change in the mental health of our teens. Um, you know, they're on their devices a lot more, the isolation um, has really just caused a lot more anxiety and stress. Um, we've really been working on ways to try to connect them and make them feel more connected to the world that they're living in. So have you seen, you know, a spike in claims regarding mental health? And, you know, if you have, you know, why do you think maybe that is happening? Yeah, we, it, it's disturbing. Actually, we have seen a, um, a 36% increase in um, behavioral health office visits you compare this, this same period this year to last year. So 36% more visits. Um, the reality is that people are, they're really struggling right now. They're, they're worried about their health. COVID is really scary. They're worried about their families, their income. Um, they're worried about their income. They're out of, many people are out of work now and they're trying to, and, and those that are working are trying to balance working at home with taking care of kids at home, yeah. which um, I can't even fathom that the stress that that must must bring. And I know, Amy, you 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 will um, at some point be dealing with that as well. Um, the, um, it, the the sad further kind of exacerbating the situation is that there are people that have lost loved ones to COVID. And they're grieving and they're suffering, and um, that it, and at a time where you know, social connections are limited because of COVID, they they can't access that like they did before um, in a time when they need it most. There was a poll that uh, came out um, a couple months ago, and um, almost half of the people in the United States reported that their mental health was negatively impacted due to worry over you know, worry and stress over the virus and the, the situation that the virus has created in their own homes. 
So um, it has gone up. It's it's more mental health is more important now than ever, and um, it's a, it's a really critical area that we have to focus on to keep our community strong. It was important before COVID nineteen, but it's even more important now. Absolutely, we we couldn't agree more. And we actually dedicated September really to um, looking at the mental health needs of our teens and providing them with resources that we felt were really important to help them re-engage, even in the connected virtual world where that was maybe the only option available to them if schools hadn't reopened. Um, can you talk a little bit about the resources that you have made available to the public, you know, specifically in regards to mental health? Yeah, we, we, we placed a lot of effort and energy in this space. We, we, we made a commitment a couple of years ago under our Mobilize AZ umbrella to, to focus on three of the state's most significant health issues. Um, one was substance use disorder, the other is diabetes, and then the third is mental health. And so we, we've been focused in the mental health area for a long, long time. And we have significant issues here in Arizona related to mental health. We're, we're 48 in, this, in the whole nation relative to the number of mental health professionals per thousand residents. So we just don't have enough people here to, to, to meet the needs. Um, so we're, we're, um, we've got a lot of resources specific to, to, um, to mental health. We have um, on our Mobilize AC website, we have um, all kinds of tools, stress management techniques. We have um, mood boosting tips, um, self-care tips. Uh, we've got um, a lot of uh, support resources that you can access through the, the website. And, um, you know, it's, it's a site anybody can get to, but it's just got a whole host of, of resources there that, um, that people can access. The, the, the other thing is that um, all of the, the kind of the, the byproducts of COVID, the worry about the physical health, the economic concerns that COVID's created, um, the social connectivity loss that COVID has created are also things that contribute to depression and stress and mental health. And so we're, we also are addressing a lot of those areas at the core. So for instance, we have um, contribute, contributed very significantly to food banks across the state. So people that are um, facing economic crisis um, can, can get food on the table for their family. Um, we have uh, made significant contributions to um, local organizations that support um, giving businesses, small businesses grants so that they can keep their, the doors open and keep their, their business running. Um, and then, um, so a lot of things that kind of support mental health, you know, underneath at that level we're, we're focused on. And then lastly, just want to, I always want to call this out because it's important. Um, we have, um, you know, telehealth has exploded. We, we offer access to a telehealth behavioral health provider for our members at no cost. So we're trying to remove barriers to access, cost being one, they can use telehealth and, and access for our fully insured business, um, a behavioral health provider without a cost share. So lots of things um, that we're focused on to, to really help the help Arizonans through this really challenging time. That's so that's so wonderful that they have the access via the telehealth at no cost. I think that's you know so important. And again, you mentioned earlier on that there are sometimes barriers to accessing mental health, sometimes cultural barriers, sometimes personal barriers. So I think it's so wonderful that. 
um, you know, you've eliminated that. And something that health core that we work on is trying to embrace, you know, the importance of your mental health, whether it's in the form of mental resilience or, you know, understanding depression or anxiety or anything that, you know, you may be experiencing. And that's something that we try to open the door for our teams to make sure that they feel like they have a place to, to voice their concerns and, and, and understand a little bit about mentally what's happening um, and emotionally with, with them. You, know, you mentioned something that is um, kind of important to us right now as we actually enter into October. We are launching, um, a, it's our physical health month. And so we're actually launching a Walktober with our students and a stride for students for our community. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you, know, you mentioned physical health and how you really view the connection between mental health and physical health for your members. Yeah, so I, um, I'm so excited about your walk and I applaud you because that connection, that mental health, physical health connection is, is so important. And one of the things that I know have, has contributed to the mental health challenges that we're experiencing right now is the inability to um, just get out and move around. People, many people feel very, very confined to their homes. And, um, and so I'm, I'm so excited about your walk and um, you know, challenging people to get out and, and move around and, um, and, and you know, can make that connection between physical and, and mental health. Um, we, um, we, there, there, is a, there is a really significant connection between physical and mental health. And um, we see that those individuals that have medical conditions like heart disease or diabetes, it tends to have a connection. They tend to be more depressed and that's, that's not surprising at all. Um, but, but that's a fact, that's a fact. And so that, that connection is there. There's been lots of studies that, that, um, make that connection and, um, they both tie to one another. So if you, if you can elevate your physical health, you can elevate your mental health and vice versa. If you can elevate your mental health, you can help elevate your, um, your physical health. I love that. And, you know, for us, since we really work in um, primarily at-risk communities, we do see chronic heart disease as one of the um, issues that is normally facing, you know, the communities we work in. And, and it's really important for us to try to educate about ways to avoid that and the long-term effects in our students in order to help them live a longer and stronger, healthier life. Um, so I think that that's also part of what we focus on when we talk about getting physical. Um, and, you know, what I love about this initiative, particularly for teens, but, you know, this is actually also targeted at our teachers and our district leaders. So in Phoenix, you know, we'll see all different people across the state and sorry, across the city in education, um, you know, getting involved in Walktober because it's not only for our students that we focus on. We do focus on the mental and physical health of the educators that are taking part in this, because as we've talked about, everybody right now is really being affected um, by COVID and, and the, you know, the, the effects of the isolation. So yeah. for us, you know, we actually address a lot of this in our why we get physical lesson at Health Corps. And, you know, we teach the teens about the physical benefits of exercise, not just on our body, but on our mind. Um, and, you know, when you engage in movement, it actually increases your heart rate, rate, which increases your blood circulation to deliver nutrients and energy throughout your body, which actually is including your brain. So the more muscles you activate, the higher the energy demand created by your muscle cells and the more physical muscle power contributing to efficient blood circulation. And all of this, we teach our kids, really helps stimulate our emotional needs as well. 
Um, so we're very, very excited about this um, in, in this event happening right now, Stride for Students. So wherever you are across the country, um, get moving this October with us for both your physical health and your mental health. Um, you know, and you can do it anywhere. You can walk, you can run, you can hike, you can paddle if you live near the water. Um, you know, we're just really encouraging everybody to to get out there, um, you know, for the youth in America, the funds will support our programming. And then also, you know, just for your yourself and your own mental health, it's something that anyone can do anywhere. And that vitamin D is very good for you, which many of us right now are not engaging enough in as we stay in our homes. Pam, I'd love to switch a little bit um, as we kind of adjust and talk a little bit more about, um, you know, some advice and leadership styles and your perspective um, in the current world as a, as a leader. So obviously we are, we're recording um, a little bit uh, over a few weeks of the passing of Justice Ruth um, Bader Ginsburg. And this is actually a personal mentor of mine uh, growing up. I've always been very invested and interested in her. Um, and so I, you know, she thinks she really highlights um, the acute gains that women have made in the, both the public and private sectors um, and really made some changes for us. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you are also often listed as a top executive in your industry. So how do you approach being a role model for young men and women? And um, I, uh, I share your thoughts about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, I, I also uh, look to her as such a beacon of, of hope and courage. And um, she was willing to kind of put herself out there when um, there weren't others behind her. And she really led the way on, on so many different things. I think um, being a, a role model comes down to really being clear about what you believe and care about and then aligning your actions with those those values. And essentially, it's just walk the talk, talk the walk. Um, and I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg absolutely is a great example of that. Um, I admire her not just as a strong woman, but um, somebody that stood for equality for everyone. And um, at, at Blue Cross, we know it's uh, essential to create a culture of inclusion and opportunity and to um, think every day and actively guard against bias because it's just there. It's just the lens that, you know, we, as, we, as we grow up, we, we, um, we form opinions and, and, and positions and um, that's the lens that we look through life at. And so it's, you know, you have to constantly remind yourself that um, there's, there's a, a wider scope than just that lens. But I, I would say from a, from a leadership perspective, it's really understanding what you, what you, you value, what you want to do and, and sticking to that and, and um, not deviating and being true to what your values are and demonstrating that every day consistently. I think that's great advice. Um, I definitely look to Pam as a mentor. So I have called her multiple times during the last few months as I've taken on a new role at HealthCorp, asking her for advice and guidance. Um, so she's up there for me with, with uh, the uh, notorious RBG. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> um, well, that's great company. Thank you. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think, you know, focusing on the equality that she really held important for everyone. And, um, you know, HealthCorp actually has also taken a look at itself. I think you, you kind of mentioned about this bias. Um, and so we, we have taken a look at ourselves as an organization, as I think, you know, many organizations have across the, the country to see what could we do better and how could we address it. And, and so we've actually really taken an initiative um, on diversity and equality and inclusion in our organization and, and trainings and things of that nature. But I, I think you're, you're absolutely right that it's, you know, her focus on equality was, was really very important. And 
um, that, you know, walking the walk, um, which I think sometimes is, is harder than, um, you know, we might assume. It's so well. true. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. Um, so I guess, you know, you talk about walking the walk, is there any other, um, you know, leadership or life advice that you would give, give students or young people, um, you know, as they, they look to kind of, to grow? Yes. Um, I, um, and I give this to my own boys who are not, young anymore, but um, <laughs> I mean, they're young relative to me. Um, but, um, but I, I think the most important thing in life is just to never stop learning. You know, it, it, when you're younger and you're a student and you're in school, you're in an environment of learning. So it just is part of your life and um, you, it's just part of what you do. But once you get out of school and you get some experience under your belt, it's easy to fall into this, um, this, kind of state where you, you fall back on, on the knowledge that you learned earlier versus continuing to add to the knowledge that you have. And if you, if you fall into that trap where you, you know, I already went to school, I already learned, I'm going to apply my learnings. I don't need to learn more. Um, it's, it's really dangerous because the, the world is constantly changing around you. So your, your knowledge becomes stale at some point. So I, um, I say you have to always look at opportunities to learn, look at things and ask a lot of questions, be naturally curious. Um, my, my son is very much into mindfulness and spirituality. And, um, he, he talks about, um, this, what, what's called the beginner's mind, which is a Zen Buddhist, um, phrase that, that essentially means approaching life with the assumption that you don't know that, that we don't know, and that there's always so much more that we can learn. And if you, if you look at life that way, that, you know, what, what can I learn today? What new information can I absorb today? Um, looking at things differently. I think that you'll, you'll live a much more fulfilling life for sure, but I think you're going to be much more successful because you're going to be open to new ways of doing things and, and new information. I love that. And I think, I think the beginner's mind, you know, in my first career in life, um, when I left college, I actually was a teacher. Um, I taught for, I taught in fifth grade in the Bronx and, you know, I think learning, watching and learning from students, because as a teacher, I think you are constantly learning from your kids. I'm sure as a parent as well. And I think they sometimes teach you the good and the bad things about yourself as, as they reflect you. But, you know, I think it's, it, it's something that's just so so important that you, you know, the way that they have the curiosity, the way that they approach, the way that they're open to learning. And I, I think as, as a leader, as I think about, you know, learning, I think it's both the formal and the informal, you know, I think we constantly can learn from, from, you know, those who we met, who mentor us, we constantly learn from those that we work from work with. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that I always am so in awe of, right. Is, is the, those that work around me and my, and, you know, the coordinators at health Corps. They teach me something new every time I speak with them, the way that they're seeing the world and what they're seeing on the ground. And so I think it's, you know, absolutely, con you know, so important to constantly be, you know, thinking about what you can learn and questioning yourself, questioning yourself to, you know, what can I learn from everyone around me? And so exactly. I, love, I really love that. Exactly. Um, it's just so important. So I think, you know, as we kind of look at what we were talking about earlier, you know, the mental health issues and, you know, leadership. Um, and, and obviously you said walk the walk, right? So it's such an important part of, of being a leader. So how have you maintained your mental health, you know, while running your organization um, and considering your own employees' health? 
Well, um, it's it's not easy because um, we all we're 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 in a different world now, and um, we um, we all work um, where we live, <laughs> and and so there's not a natural demarcation between work and home. And I find myself uh, very easily falling into a trap where I'm sitting in front of my computer and it's seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I, I kind of am like, what, what, what happened when you don't have this kind of demarcation where you get in the car, you drive home and you're, you're home, you're away from work. It's, it's harder to maintain that balance and it's harder to maintain your mental health. And so what I, what I do is I just make very conscious efforts to um, distinguish work and, and um, home. And I, and I make very um, specific, I, I, I've imbued in my routine, very specific times and places for things for me. So for instance, I get up every morning, even on the weekends, very early, and I go work out on my Peloton, my stationary bike, or I lift weights. And I do it every single morning. And that's a half hour that's just for me. And um, I don't let other things get in the way of that. You know, you, you have to almost be a little bit selfish. You have to say, I'm, I'm important, and it's important that I spend time on myself and I care and feed myself because if you don't care and feed yourself, um, you're not going to be there for others that need you. And so I I'm religious about giving myself that half hour every day. You know, I, I focus on eating healthy except for, you know, middle of the day, I tend to find potato chips in my hands, um, on it, too much to my dismay, but I, I really try to eat, you know, I try to eat healthy. Um, mm -hmm. and then I, I, I carve out specific time for family and friends. So I don't, I, I, you know, make sure that I reach out to my, my sons on a regular basis. Um, and I talk to them and I, um, make a point to, um, make some kind of, a an interaction with, with my friends on a regular basis. And again, it's almost like scheduling it because yeah. it's so easy to get, you know, have work just consume mm -hmm. you. So you have to, you have to like really be disciplined and, and force yourself to identify those opportunities and make sure that you take them and you, you, you don't let other things get in the way of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't agree with you more. I have found that, you know, I really have had to schedule things as well. And and I, I find when I schedule them with other people, it, it holds me accountable. So, you know, like really trying to find a time, you know, around, you know, at the end of the day where I can make an appointment with a friend, whether it's on social media or whether we're, you know, we're going for a social distanced walk together. Um, yeah. But that I find that when I do that, it definitely adds you know, a, a break in my day that's really important um, for separating the the work, the work, you know, life and the home life. And, um, you know, I, I think because it's very easy to find yourself, like you said, you just at your at your computer all day long if you don't really create those those separated moments. So I think it's it's just so important to your mental health. I too have a tendency. My tendency is not potato chips. My my uh, tendency is towards chocolate. So I limit the amount of chocolate that I that I have in the house because it's definitely my my go-to snack. Um, and I think I was sharing with you at the beginning of this that, you know, um, CNN actually just talked to us about how, it was talked to us, had an article actually about how our grazing period, they called it, is so much longer when we're at home um, and that it's really affecting our, um, you know, metabolism and insulin. If we're, we're grazing for that much longer, it's adjusting the way that our body is affecting, 
you know, and converting the food, um, which is just so important to think about because it is so much easier, right, to just head to your kitchen and grab a snack, um, whereas you wouldn't have that opportunity, uh, you know, at the office. And of course, that that really does affect your mental health, what you're eating, as you, you know, we know, really yeah. can, can affect that. Yeah. So I guess how has, you know, COVID shifted your priorities for your organization's mission um, and your leadership style, if, if at all? It's an interesting question. It, it hasn't, it has not shifted our focus on our mission. Our, our mission is to provide the best value in health insurance and um, to improve the quality of life for all Arizonans. So that worked pre-COVID that is very applicable during COVID and it will be um existing after COVID. So um, it hasn't changed our mission. I think, um, you know, we, we're certainly going about how we execute on our mission in a, a different way. Um, the pace is different. Um, we're doing work from home. We're, we're doing work in different ways. But um, the, the mission um, remains. It's just uh, kind of being done a little bit differently. From a leadership perspective, um, the change has been um, pretty significant, I think. I um, the the one thing that that I have learned is that communication has the the need for effective, constant, consistent communication is elevated really significantly. We're all over the place. We're not together in an office then where we see each other and learn what's going on that way. We're all by ourselves, and so. We have, um, I have had to really think about communications and how can we um, elevate our communication so that people still feel connected and still understand what's going on in the organization and how they fit in. So I think communication is probably the biggest leadership um, change that, that I've had to make um, since COVID. I think that's a very valid point. Um, you know, HealthCorp is, is a very remote organization, um, actually pre-COVID because we're all over the country and I'm in LA and I have other team members in New York and Oklahoma. And, you know, so we're all over the country. Um, but, you know, it, it really brings up a, an interesting point because I actually had one of my team members um, during a, you know, a, a regular staff call that we had every week. And the other, a few weeks ago, you know, she said, I'd really appreciate if we could do this by Zoom. Um, cause it, previous to COVID, it just hadn't been a zoom call and I just didn't even think to change it. Um, and, and, you know, she brought it up and, and I was like, you know, you're right. I, I think we, you're absolutely correct. We shouldn't do this by zoom. Um, just to be able to get that, you know, little bit of visual connection that just is so important. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, sometimes having come from a remote organization, I think we sort of took for granted that some of that connected and fluidness was just going to continue and maintain. But when you layer on what's happening with COVID and that there really is so many more limited interactions, uh, you know, that that visual really was important. So I think that's such a poignant point um, that we really do have to focus on on communication and, and, and change it and it, not in the same way that we might be used to. Well, so the last thing that I would, would love to ask you about um, before we open it up for, for questions is, you know, I think you, as mentioned, you are a top executive in your field. And I know there's many individuals, even on our board, who, who look to you as, as being, you know, quite um, a leader in your space. So, you know, as you look to the future, um, you know, what do you envision the new normal is, is for your organization, from the world? You know, what should leaders and innovators and doctors really be thinking about um, in the future? Wow, that's such a big question. And 
I know every, I, I get this question a lot, actually. People want to know, so how is this going to change our world? How is this going to change our work? How is this going to change what we do every day? And I so wish I had a crystal ball and I, I could really look and see, because I want to know that, that answer too. <laughs> Um, but there's really not a, an easy answer. I, 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 I can say that we've, we've learned things from COVID that are going to change what our new normal looks like. So, for, for example, um, if you were to have asked me last year, could you move 98% of all of Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona and Health Choice employees to working at home in a period of a week and a half? I would have laughed so hard. I would have said, no way. What are you talking about? It's impossible. Technology isn't there. People don't want to do it. It's just impossible. Well, we did it. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're pressed and to, to do something because of an environmental issue being COVID where you have to act, we did it. And, um, and I think that was an eye opener for me. Uh, that was an eye opener in that we could do it. An eye opener that, um, our, our employees are very happy in general um, with, with working from home. Certainly we have improvements, but, um, but it, it, it made me realize that there's a better balance than what we had before COVID. And so we'll, we'll, we'll be looking, our new normal is going to be a work strategy that looks different than it did before COVID. It's gonna be more balanced between home and office. Um, I've also learned that um, working in silos here in Arizona diminishes our impact in the community. Um, working in unity um, lets us do things that we never ever thought were possible. We, um, in Arizona, we've gotten together um, across the health ecosystem, um, hospitals, um, community organizations, like, like Health Corps, um, doctor groups, insurers, the government, um, businesses, they've all come together to collaborate in, in a different way that didn't exist before COVID. We have this common kind of enemy. And, um, and that collaboration has produced some extraordinary output um, that wouldn't have, ex wouldn't have been able to happen before COVID. So I think um, the, a, new, a new normal is going to be working together across the health ecosystem in a different way. Um, I think that probably the, the other thing that will change and that we've learned is that people are, are pretty darn resilient. And if change has to happen, they're, they're very open to accepting change. And I use telehealth as, as an example of that. The telehealth is up like almost 3,000% over prior year. I mean, it's, it's, it's exploded. And people that you know, weren't comfortable using telehealth, they didn't even want to try it, um, did try it. They liked it. They've embraced it. And so I think we're, our new normal is going to be a different delivery model here in, in Arizona. Um, and I think it's, it's open our eyes that, that we as an industry need to recognize that people need service and tools that make accessing the healthcare system easier and um, more convenient. And so that, that will be a focus of our new normal. But I think that the, the, at the end of the day, um, what I hope everybody has learned out of this, um, and I know I'm, I'm much more in tune to it, the, the new normal is that just on a, a worldwide basis, I think there's more tolerance. I think there's, there's more kindness. There's more patience. 
And I think people are, are much more outwardly focused looking out for each other than we were before COVID. And that, you know, on a worldwide basis is just a, a very, very beautiful thing. So if there's anything that comes that's good out of COVID, I, I hope that part does last and endures. Oh, I love that. And I think that taking it back to the start, right? That's so important for our mental health, actually. We find that when we yes. care for others and then when we give and when we think about others, it actually really increases our, our mental health um, and, and you know, makes us feel valuable and important, which really combats some of those social emotional issues. Um, so I think that's just such a beautiful way to think about the new normal. And the only thing, the other thing that you mentioned that I, I love, and I think HealthCore has also really um, you know, reaped a lot of benefits from the connection of people coming together in the community and partnerships and looking at telehealth and technology is we were actually able to launch Save the Students. And Save the Students is actually bringing, um, you know, safe student kits to places like Phoenix. We actually have 2,000 coming to the Phoenix, <clears throat> excuse me, the Phoenix School District. Um, and these are connected to thermometers, you know, an app that allows schools to monitor the health that's coming in from the information from the thermometers and the symptom gathering and providing health core resources for kids, whether they're at home or whether they're, you know, their family and their community, helping them make healthier decisions. And so, and that was really a collaboration of a partnership with Kinza and health core and some, you know, pretty incredible donors. And so, and then of course our community partnerships, like being able to work with Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona, we're able to get those kits out to where they're most in need. Uh, so I think it's just such a great, great way to think about the beauty of what's come out of COVID for sure. Um, and the great work that we can do um, you know, lifting everybody up. Can, can I just say one thing, um, Amy? I just want to once again thank you and, and Health Corps for the work that you're doing here in Arizona. You are, you guys are really making a difference, and it's so important to um, teach kids early the importance of nutrition and exercise and, and mental health and taking care of themselves. And you, you are doing that, and that's going to pay dividends for years and years and years as these kids grow up and they they have these new experiences, these new exposures to um, taking care of themselves. And so we're so proud to be a partner with you. And um, so the, the number of kids that you have touched and impacted with your programs is, is, is huge here in Arizona. And um, we really appreciate the investment that you're making here in the state. Thank you. And we appreciate your partnership very much so. Um, you guys really do help us make it possible. Across the organization, we've had the opportunity to actually work with many different individuals at Blue Cross Blue Shield Arizona. So thank you as well. Healthy Chats is going is available weekly. So please subscribe and follow us. Thanks so much. Take care.